Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. Welcome to this edition of World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. Later this week, the presidents of the United States and China will hold a two-day summit in California. This is the first such meeting between Barack Obama and Xi Jinping since Xi's elevation to the top job in China. And it comes at a time when Chinese-American tensions are fairly high on a range of issues, from cyber attacks to territorial disputes in the East and South China Seas. So what are both sides looking to achieve this weekend? Joining me in the studio is James King, editor of the FT's China Confidential, and on the line from Washington is Jeff Dyer, one of our correspondents there, and also a former bureau chief in Beijing. Uh, James, from the Chinese point of view, what do you think they, they want out of this meeting? Uh, for the Chinese, it's a, it's a very important meeting. Uh, first of all, uh, there needs to be a, uh, a, a more personal relationship built up between Xi Jinping and uh, Barack Obama. And I think it is possible that, that they may have a better chance to build up some kind of a personal relationship than U.S. presidents have with the previous uh, Chinese leader, Hu Jintao. The other aspects, of course, are some of these really big pressing issues, such as particularly US anger over cyber hacking, which they allege to have been conducted in the main by the Chinese, and the big geostrategic issues, such as uh, what China sees as the US pivot to Asia. China's interest is to try to get the US to recognize that it's a rising great power, and to get Washington to understand that it needs more international space. It needs to build up a wider web of influence throughout the world and to have the US agree to, as it were, make room for them internationally. Jeff, how would the Americans see it? I mean, I guess they would uh, say, well, of course, we recognise that China's a rising power. And yes, we'll grant it some space. And yet they do seem uneasy about the way China's behaving. How are they going to play it? One of the things I'm looking for is exactly what James was saying about the personal relationship. When Barack Obama came into office, he really hoped that he would be able to strike up a rapport with, with Hu Jintao, the, the previous Chinese president. And he found Hu a very stiff character. He found that the meetings he had with him were incredibly scripted. Um, and he didn't get any chance to really have a sort of deep personal conversation with Hu Jintao. And so the whole thing that Xi Jinping is a, a very different kind of character. And he does seem to seem to behave in a different way. He seems more confident, more comfortable himself. And so they're hoping that they can have a more honest conversation. In terms of the sort of strategic issues they want to talk about, well, they, in a sense, they're trying to place a test with Chinese to see whether they can really have an honest dialogue about issues like cybersecurity. But also one of the things they really want to talk about is North Korea. Now, they're desperate to start a conversation about what will happen if the North Korean regime collapses, um, because that's a what we have something that could potentially happen in the next few years, but one never knows. And it's a very, very delicate situation that did. One can easily see a situation where U.S. and Chinese forces might find themselves facing off against each other. And so they want to have that type of conversation with the Chinese about things very much off the record, but which to, to, to test the waters and just to get a sense of Chinese intentions and Chinese plans. 
James, what do you think the chances are that the, that the Chinese will actually be prepared to engage in a kind of frank discussion? Because that requires a level of trust, doesn't it, that seems a bit absent? I think that, you know, they will try. And of course, I think both sides recognize the critical importance of this, not only for bilateral, but also uh, for global uh, relations. But it really seems to me that the relationship is bedeviled by some very significant fault lines when it comes to the trust issue. I mean, the problem with the uh, cyber attacks is that it's also murky. The US accuses the Chinese People's Liberation Army of engaging in all kinds of uh, cyber hacking of, uh, of US intelligence. But the world at large, the people outside a small circle really have no clue as to the evidence of, of such charges. And the big geostrategic questions um, of the US possibly retiring a little bit in their influence in Asia, particularly the maritime areas around China, requires such a level of trust between the US and China that that I think it would be very difficult to achieve that. You know, does the Pentagon really trust that if they do that, then China will not start acting in a way that would be inimical to US interests in the region? It seems like an enormously tall order to me. Just on the cyber stuff, I mean, you said it's very murky, and it certainly is that. What's your best guess? Is it in Xi Jinping's power? If he were to say, OK, this clearly is a problem between us and the US, we're doing too much of it. Do you think he can kind of ring up the, the People's Liberation Army, whoever's doing it, and say, look, guys, rein it in? Or is it more complicated than that? Well, I think he certainly would have the phone number. He would be able to make the call. But the question is, would he be daring enough to make the call? I think, you know, the influence of the People's Liberation Army in China now is extremely strong. Over the last few years, I would say it's been becoming stronger. Every leader of China needs to keep the PLA on side. And therefore, to try to curb them in this way, I think would require a very bold Chinese leader. And I'm not sure that Xi Jinping has shored up his power base to the extent that he would be willing to take that on. What about the Americans? From the Chinese point of view, Jeff, I guess they would say, well, look, the Americans talk in this friendly manner about cooperation. But the way they're acting is that they're building up a network of alliances to essentially contain China, strengthening the alliance with Japan, South Korea, Australia, India, and so on. It's a hard uh, thing to interpret. But do you think that the Chinese have a point? I mean, is there a, a, a more adversarial way of thinking about China taking hold in Washington? Well, I mean, if you think about the Australian nature, I mean, you think about it in a very broad brushes. Um, given that China has spent 20 years dramatically building up its military, and given that Asia-Pacific is already the crux of the global economy and it's going to become even more important than the global economy, it is a complete no-brainer that the U.S. will start to pay a lot more attention to the region and will direct a lot more of its attention there and some of, it, some of its assets there. That's... An, completely obvious that there's a very strong political consensus in the country behind that and, and the Chinese should not be remotely surprised about that. But when you start to look into the details about what the US is doing then yes there is some room for discussion the Chinese do potentially have some point particularly when you look at the military aspects of what, what we call the pivot. There is a sense that the Pentagon is beginning to flirt with what a lot of people would interpret as quite an aggressive strategy towards China one that involves building up a lot of assets that would allow them to, in the event of a conflict, to bomb large swathes of, of mainland China. And a lot of people, even in the U.S., think that's too confrontational, and a lot of the U.S. allies in the region think that's too confrontational. And so I think a lot of the discussion in a couple of years in Washington will be about the nature 
of the sort of deterrence that the U.S. tries to put into place against China. Not the fact that the U.S. is going to raise its game, but just the details of how it goes about doing that. And specifically, Jeff, I mean, the real flashpoint earlier this year was this disputed islands between Japan and China, the Senkakus, as the Japanese call them, or Diyu, as the Chinese call them, and the sense that if there was actually a clash, the U.S. might be dragged in because of its security treaty with Japan. Is that still a dangerous flashpoint, and do you expect them to discuss it? Absolutely, it's a dangerous flashpoint, in as much as there's still this sort of very nervous, tense standoff between Chinese vessels and Japanese vessels around the Senkaku's Yaolan. So there is always the potential that someone will miscalculate, that it could escalate, and, and then the U.S. would get dragged in. But I think rather than talking about specific details of these types of disputes, I suspect what the U.S. would like is a more broader conversation about what it is that China really wants. When it talks about strategic space, what does that mean? Um, what sort of influence does it really want in the region? Does it want to create some kind of sphere of influence? Does it want to have some sort of veto power over foreign policies of other countries in the region? Or is it really just looking for a bit more comfort, a bit of a sense that it isn't itself vulnerable to military attack from U.S. and its allies in, in the event of some sort of dispute? So that'll be the type of discussion I think the Americans will be trying to open up. And just a uh, last uh, thing, Jeff, on this on this specific point. I mean, you use the phrase the Chinese want more strategic space and the Americans will want a sense of what they mean by that. What do you think the Americans might be prepared to grant them in terms of strategic space? What would seem like a reasonable ask in Washington? Uh, well, one of the flashpoint issues between the US and China has been the issue of surveillance by uh, naval ships and submarines relatively close to the Chinese coast. One could imagine that at some stage the U.S. and China would come to some accommodation where the U.S. might back off a little bit in the kind of surveillance that it is conducting in the waters around China. But I think the broader point that often gets lost here, and I think is very much being lost in Beijing, is that the real issue in the last few years has not been the U.S. pivot to Asia. It has been the Asian backlash against China. And so even if the U.S. was willing to give a lot of strategic space, you know, more leadership, to China in the Asian region. The rest of the region is not is not willing to let that happen. China has focused so much of its attention on U.S. build-up and has criticized the U.S. so much, and they've lost sight of the fact that there's been this very powerful backlash all the way around the region about the more aggressive intentions that it's been demonstrating in the last few years. And that is the real problem for China, is that there isn't a natural sphere of influence for it in the region because most of the Asian countries do not want that to happen. And James, I mean, so Xi Jinping is is a new quantity. Do we yet have any sense that he's bringing a fresh perspective to these issues? Uh, I think when it comes to Jeff's last point, which is a very perceptive point, I think, I believe that the Chinese have realised that the pivot to Asia of the US is not the only thing going on, that Chinese diplomacy over the last five years or so has, to an extent, alienated many of the countries uh, that border China. And uh, recently, we have begun to see a, a much more conciliatory tone coming out of Beijing. I think from the 1st to the 5th of May, several of the countries that border China in Asia were visited by Wang Yi, the, uh, the foreign minister. And China's these days at pains to say to these countries, you know, that China really wants uh, strong relationships with its uh, neighbours. Upsetting that apple cart, though, is all of these very belligerent disputes, uh, such as the Senkaku Diaoyutai uh, dispute, that really does continue to spook other neighbours that don't have any irons directly in that fire. 
So I do think that in many regards, the Xi Jinping administration is taking a new look at things in China. It's taking a new look at financial reform, urbanization, some of the other key domestic issues. And his sort of ascension to, to the pinnacle of power in China was attended by hopes that because he'd spent time in the States and he dramatizes the time he spent uh, on a farm in Iowa, that he would be somebody that the States could do business with more than Hu Jintao was ever able to. But I don't know whether these hopes are founded, and that's uh, that's one thing I think we may get an insight into in this uh, summit. However, in the run-up to the summit, a couple of things have happened w- w- which may show some undermining of the personal relationship. For instance, Michelle Obama is now apparently not going to be able to attend because she needs to be with her children as they approach the end of the academic year. And this is being taken as a snub by... Many people in China who regard China's first lady, Peng Liyuan, as one of the great diplomatic assets that the country has now. And now, you know, there won't be a chance for a love-in between Michelle and uh, Peng Liyuan, which I think is playing rather badly in China. Okay, well, the atmospherics of these things are always fascinating to watch. So we'll watch uh, what the Chinese first lady gets up to without a a counterpart to go around with. Uh, James King in London, thank you very much indeed. And to Jeff Dyer in Washington, thanks also. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.